0: it's time for this week in the big east a comprehensive look at the teams coaches players and the story tradition of the big east conference here are your hosts longtime conference play-by-play announcer john rook and big east
1: author and sports writer kevin mcnamara Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It's our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. This is episode six for 2021. The overall Big East basketball picture is beginning to clear for some, stay muddied for others. Villanova continues to flex its muscle by dispatching Marquette this week to move to eight and one on the conference schedule. But the disparity in the number of games played and the number of games that could still be played, that kind of clouds the destination for some of the other contenders. Creighton, for instance, they've got 11 wins in 15 games to hold down the second spot. Xavier, by percentage, is in third, but the Musketeers have played only six league games at four and two. By percentage, they have a lead over eight-game winner Seton Hall. Kevin, the disparity here is notable.
2: John, you need to be a math teacher to figure out who exactly is ahead of who with the percentages flying up and down the uh, range. How about Vill- uh, How about Xavier? Very interesting. They've only played three games in 2021. They haven't played any since January 30th. And yet, you know, their, their net is a pretty solid 32. they seem as an NCAA tournament team, but they just haven't played enough games. So they really need to stay healthy, stay playing, And more importantly, stay winning to show that NCAA tournament committee that they
1: legitimately are one of the top 64 teams in the country. I think this begs the question, Kevin, teams that aren't playing because of the health reasons, should they be? Will they ultimately be penalized?
2: Well, I think right now the answer is no. Uh, If you fall below the NCAA minimum number of games of 13, clearly you will be penalized. But uh, in the Big East, it looks like everyone's going to the Big East tournament uh, in, in New York City. And as long as, you know, as far as where they will be seated, I think that'll be very interesting to see if someone just hasn't played, maybe he hasn't even played half
1: the number of games. All right, still to come. Let's get to this week's On the Court Big East headlines. Villanova and Creighton still entrenched in the AP top 25 Villanova fifth this week Creighton coming in at 19th Xavier despite not playing any games since January 30th as Kevin said and St. John's both received votes this week seven Big East teams ranked in the top 75 of the Ken Palm seven are rated in the net top 85. St. John's had its six-game winning streak snapped with an overtime loss at Butler. Villanova started a five-game road swing for Marquette with a bump in the road for the Golden Eagles. Providence renewed its regional rivalry with UConn by halting a three-game losing streak of their own. Xavier sits at 11-2 on the season, just 4-2 in the Big East, as the Musketeers have only played three games since the first of the year. They have had a game with DePaul postponed for this week, seven games total postponed in the past month, with only a win at Butler over that time. Home teams are now a mere 33-31 and 31 going into this weekend's play, which continues to say something about home court advantages. There aren't many which also continues to say that this last month of the regular season could be a wild ride. And perhaps some of the best news this week came from the state of New York, where officials determined that stadiums and arenas can begin hosting patrons, fans back in the buildings before the end of February with up to 10% capacity in attendance. And that could mean some fans in attendance for the Big East tournament at the Garden in March, even though we should stress nothing has officially been determined at this time, but it is encouraging news. Oh, very encouraging, John. I I know that you and I will
2: be there. They'll they'll put us high above courtside up in the hockey press box away from the floor, which uh, from where we sit is fine. (laughs) No problem. The fans... I saw that both the Knicks and the Rangers are looking forward to welcoming back fans later in February. So the Garden people will be up to snuff with any kind of protocols that the state is put, putting in as far as, you know, testing and, and obviously security around the building. John, minimum, can we get the parents in to see the games?
1: Yeah, that's I, 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 I think that's reasonable and I'm sure that's something the league will work on. You know, uh, it
2: could be up to, you know, for basketball, we're talking about 2,000 people, a little shy of 2,000 people, be really hard to cut those up among the fans of all 10 schools or 11 schools. But certainly if we give every player four tickets, including parents, uh, you know, it'll be more people than you think. It'll add up
1: quickly. Thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations this season for tuning in. Thanks for catching us on Sirius XM. If you're listening on a podcast, could you take a moment to subscribe, rate, review us? You can find us on Apple and Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Castro, CastBox, and PodFriend. For more on the podcast, you can visit our website, www.twitme.buzzsprout.com. And you can also listen online westwood one sports.com and BigEast.com. inside episode six this week st john's stubbed a big toe on the floor but the red storm has had a winning stretch that puts them not just in postseason conversation but back in the new york spotlight that's big coach mike anderson will join us ncaa.com and fox sports college hoop analyst andy katz will fill us in on his pre-march madness thoughts And we know Creighton has the preseason player of the year in the league, but the Blue Jays also have some defense to their overall game that has raised some eyebrows. And junior guard Marcus Zagorowski will tell us what it's like to play with these Jays next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this
0: week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. Here's
1: Christian Bishop with a handoff to Marcus. Marcus has a pull-up three. Boom! Marcus Zagorowski, 7 for 7 start, 3
0: for 3 on 5 points bank, 3 pointers, Jays 17-4.
1: When Creighton's Blue Jays have it going, they can be fun to watch. Some liken it to old school hoop with seemingly the ability to shoot anytime, anywhere without fear. Maybe it is or isn't that way in reality for the Jays, but rest assured, the guy that's a part of the decision-making process is junior guard Marcus Zagorowski. He joins us this week in the Big East. Marcus, what has Coach McDermott told you and your guys about shot selection, the process, and what goes into it? And what's a good shot and what's a bad shot?
3: Yeah, you know, he's honest a lot about that, you know, the type of stuff he wants us to, you know, be unselfish and, you know, try and create for others and, you know, have an attitude of trying to get someone else the the best shot because eventually it'll come back around. So just having the unselfish approach and, you know, wanting your teammate to get a good shot, you know, You know, and it's worked well for us.
2: Marcus, this is your third team playing a prominent role uh, on the perimeter for Creighton. How does this team compare in that regard, Uh, the way the ball moves, the way the ball pops, and and seems to find the open man? Comparable to the last two, or maybe just a little bit better?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say, you know, similar to the same. I mean, you know, I think every year that I've been here, we've, you know, been pretty unselfish. You know, we tend to always, um, you know, get the ball moving and you know, play for each other, and you know this year is no different. You know, I think you know we're just you know we like playing with each other. You know, we like when other you know other people you know play well, and other people you know I guess eat, as you would say. And um, you know that's just the culture we have here. Is you know be unselfish and you know enjoy playing with each other, and you know good shots will come for for everybody.
1: What was it, Marcus? About what Coach McDermott was selling you in the recruiting process that made you decide? This ought to be fun. This is where I'd like to go to continue my career.
3: Yeah, you know, I I just trusted him. and You know, I knew I'd be able to play my game. I knew the style of, you know, the way Crane plays would fit my game, you know, with shooting, you know, outside shooting and being able to play fast and, you know, not having to look over my shoulder and, you know, always, you know, just play with confidence. And, you know, also he recruits a lot of good guys, you know, not only on the floor but off the floor where you kind of, you know, you can enjoy you know, passing the ball you, and you can enjoy seeing them play well and stuff like that. So, you know, it was a mix of everything really.
2: Marcus, John and I have both enjoyed our trips to Omaha in the last, uh, you know, seven, eight years. We appreciate what you have thrived in. You know, the, when, when there's a few different Jays knocking in three after three, the place really hops uh, this year. We don't have that. How much has that taken away from uh, maybe obviously your enjoyment to some extent but also the ability to get on roles in, in, in home games out in Omaha.
3: It's, you know, it's definitely different. You know, you're not having 18,000 fans, you know, there, you know, every night, you know, supporting you, you know, in the good and the bad, but, you know, it's out of our control. So we just got to find that, you know, within us, within our group, within our, you know, coaching staff and, you know, team. So, You know, I think we struggle with it at first because, you know, we just, it's just natural, you know, you're not used to it, but I think we've done a a better job of, you know, trying to find it within and, you know, just if someone someone gets rolling, you know, really try and help them out get rolling and, you know, try and build that energy up and, you know, I think we have a ways to go, but, you know, I'm happy with, with where we're at.
1: Creighton guard, Marcus Zagorowski, joining us this week in the Big East. I think that's a great way to look at it. Obviously, control the things that you can. One of the things that you can certainly control, uh, you know, is your ability to get up and down in the floor. Uh, what is unique about the way you guys play offense, Marcus, that is different from what you've done earlier in your prep career?
3: Um, you know, even in prep school, I, you know, I team that, you know, they like to play fast you know I get up and down but it's obviously you know there's more rules you know at the college level there's more there's more of a blueprint to what we do you know there's you know there's rules I guess but you have freedom in those rules I'd say like you know we kind of run like an like almost like an NBA offense where guys you know the two and three runs to the corner you know the point guard has to you know try and change the you know kind of cross the grain and you know try to change the defense and the you know the big runs to the rim and but, you know, it, there's still a lot of freedom in what, what we do. You know, you can, you know, as long as you play on selfish and you move the ball and then you cut hard and, you know, you can, uh, you know, try and create shots for others, you know, you think you'll, you'll, you'll be fine. This offense is, it's, there's no secret to it. It's just you got to just make sure you follow a few rules and, and you'll be all right.
1: And make shots, right?
3: yeah for sure <laughs> that's
2: it that's that's the, that's the golden goose right there make some shots no question about it uh M- marcus when everyone talks about creighton and we're guilty of it we've asked you uh five offensive questions uh but we have to talk defense too it seems as if this team the f- makeup of this roster uh, tends to be able to defend a- at a higher level than the last couple of years uh, how much of an emphasis is that and, and do you agree with that statement
3: yeah, I mean I think you know we take defense as serious as we take offense, you know. I think we're just Crane is kind of built off, you know, high octane offense and you know kind of outscoring other teams, but <clears throat> I think this year it's you know the it's it's different. You know, I think we can beat teams in multiple ways, you know, including our defense and you know I think we only gave up like 40 some points yesterday versus Georgetown, so you know I think we had like 19 steals, so hmm. And that's like the most ever in creating history. I think coach said that. And um, so just, you know, it's, it's, it's real good to know that we can win in different ways and we don't have to necessarily outscore you. But the goal is to be able to, you know, keep that offense, you know, at its peak, but also keep the keep the defense at its peak. And that's what we're striving for.
1: Wondering, Marcus, how it has been for you this year. You you came in, you know, with the uh, you know the burden already on your shoulders, being named the preseason player of the year in this league. What was that like? And do you feel you've kind of lived up to that billing?
3: Yeah, it's definitely you know it was it was cool to see, but you know I've definitely different for me or this time around. You know I've never really been, you know, on the radar with you know recruitment process. I was I was I was lately recruited you know I got Mm -hmm. I didn't get recruited till late junior year and senior year but um going into college I didn't really have any expectations and I kind of just work just work my tail off and you know you know although the award doesn't matter but you know it's still cool to you know it's still cool to um to have that but you know it doesn't matter and you know I've all I mean I don't I don't tend to you know really try and you know think about have I lived up to this how I have I lived up to that I just got to focus on what I can what I can't control because at the end of the day, it's somebody's opinion who, who wins that award. And right. You know, but uh, you know, the, 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 the wins aren't, aren't anybody's opinion. That's, that's, that's stamped. That's, that's what really matters. And that's what I'm focused on.
2: Marcus coach was right. 19 steals in that Georgetown win. That's, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I'm curious. We, we seem to ask pretty much every player on this show uh, what they think is the, maybe the best arena to play in in the Big East. Uh, you can't pick your own, and maybe what opponent gets you um, dialed in a little more than others.
3: Best arena, I'd probably say Marquette. You know, I like just you know, it's, I think it's a great arena. Yeah, I think it's where the Bucks play. And I, I, I'm i three and zero there. You know, since there. So,
1: <laughs> so, I, so yeah, I can understand that.
3: Yeah, I'm not going to pick a place where I lost. You know, I don't no, understand. no, <laughs> focus on winning over here. But I. And then uh, a player that really gets me you know make sure i'm on my you know i, I don't know anybody but I, every 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 game in the big east there's somebody where i gotta where I, I just can't take a playoff i can't take a i can't think i have a night off or i can't think uh you know anything negative i i, I, I approach every game the same like you know i'm going against a really good player and i gotta bring my best because i know i know i know the other team is gonna bring their best because of the of the stupid preseason stuff that is yeah. <laughs> arose for us, and but um, yeah, I, I'd say I just approach it, you know, the, the same for every game.
2: Marcus, I'm also curious about your health. You know, obviously you had a difficult off season with some knee surgery uh, and missed a few games this year. Uh, how are you looking? How are you feeling right now? And pointing toward March.
3: Yeah, you know, this is I, I, this is the best I felt throughout the year. I definitely had some tweaks, you know going through uh, this year, just with my hamstring. But, um, you know, I'm just getting over that and my knee feels great. And, um, yeah, this is the best stuff I look forward to, you know, feeling really good physically for this last stretch of the season.
1: That's Creighton's Marcus Zegarowski. Next up is who's hot? Who stands out to you? Who's bringing that A-game? Well, we will have the week's best players and the week's top performers coming up next. This week in the Big East,
0: coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East, who's hot? Babu Kalashvili for three rattles it Hall It's good,
1: and now the officials call for the timeout. But the damage is done. Largest lead of the game for Seton Hall by 15. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook with Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week in the Big East Conference. A familiar name. Sandra Mamukeleshvili of Seton Hall. Mamu led Seton Hall to a pair of road wins. Had game high scoring highs in both games for the week. 21 points, seven rebounds, two and a half assists. Shot 50% from the field and uh, 22 points in a win at UConn. Another 20 in a win at Providence. It looks like the Pirates, Kevin, beginning to get it together a little bit at the right time
2: john i was just going to say that you know we know that home teams have struggled to protect home turf and but that makes road wins even more important and for seton hall to put two in their back pocket behind mamu shows up big time in the NCA's net rankings where seton hall is now up to 46 they are certainly look trending toward
1: an NCA tournament you have to think that mamu is also trending toward being a, a legitimate big east player of the year candidate correct I think he's a legitimate first-team All-American candidate.
2: There's not many big guys. And, you know, obviously the best big guy in the country is Luca Garza from Iowa. I I get it. No question. He's he's a big-time player. What other big guy can do what Mamu can do? Handle the ball out on the floor, pass, uh, score inside, make three pointers. Uh, I I put it this way, John. I'll take Garza and Mamu, and you
1: can take any other two in the country. Yeah, that well, you'd be uh, that'd be a really good start to your team. No, Biggie's freshman so. of the week. Might want to take this guy too. Posh Alexander, freshman of the week honors for a third straight week. After the Johnnies knocked off then number three Villanova and got an 11-point road win at Providence. He shot almost 54% from the floor and 56% from three for the week. Big East honor roll this week. Some good names. Chuck Harris from Butler averaged 19 points in, in a couple of games for the uh, Bulldogs. Kudus Wahab rapidly improving big man uh, for Georgetown. Managed to tie a career high with 17 at Villanova. Christian Bishop from Creighton. Julian Champney, St. John's, who averaged a double- Double-double for the week for the Red Storm. And Jermaine Samuels had a career-high 32 in a win over Georgetown. So some good names there and some names that we mentioned and some names that we haven't mentioned as much. What an underrated,
2: really good player Jermaine Samuels is at Villanova. I, I know that he's he's certainly not underrated in Jay Wright's minds. Well, He's a keeper. And then Champagny, you know, Champagny right now leads the Big East in scoring at 19.1%. Per game in conference games, uh, the way that St. John's is playing, the tempo, the offensive pressure they put on opposing teams, I think I
1: like Champagny to win that race. We're working overtime this week for our Blast from the Past. I don't let him shoot the three. They got it, though. What an incredible game. In a game that nobody who is here tonight will ever forget, the Irish win in five overtime. The two longest regular season games in Biggie's history were both played during this week on February 9th, to be exact. And both involved Notre Dame. In 2013, the Fighting Irish defeated Louisville, 104-101, in five extra periods. A game that had 26 lead changes, 16 ties. Prior to that, 19 years ago this week, back in 2002, the Irish fought off Georgetown, 116-111, in four overtimes. Point guard Chris Thomas played all 60 minutes of that one. Hoya big man Mike Sweetney went for 35 points and 20 boards. Couple of really good ones, I think. There, Kev.
2: Chris Thomas, what a great point guard, you know, truly led the Irish to a lot of great victories. And Mike Sweetney, you know, a long line of Hoya big men we talk about here on the show all the time. Mike Sweetney was as ferocious as anybody. 35 points and 20 rebounds in that ball game.
1: Before we get ahead of ourselves, yeah, yeah, I know. We remember the longest game in Big East history, don't we, Kev? But that was in the Big East tournament. At the Garden in 2009, UConn and Syracuse went six overtimes. I, I can't believe that one's been 12 years ago. We remember it, John. We were both there. I think
2: I wandered out at about one twenty-five a.m. The right. good news is in New York, as our friend Bill Raftery would say is, you can always go somewhere to find a beverage. The, the Big East people you know, woke up the next day and were back at the garden and did it all again starting at noontime. It was, it was a great memory and for
1: both fans of Syracuse and Connecticut. Want someone who's been under the radar a bit this season? A sleeper contender? That's what St. John's has largely been over the last couple of weeks. Not anymore. The Johnnies have played their way back into prominence off-Broadway. Head coach Mike Anderson joins us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East
0: Focus. Big East focus as St. John's a 15 point lead at the half
1: they hold off Marquette 75-73 and as a result make it four straight wins five of six four or five in the Big East as St. John's continues the roll. Welcome back to this week in the Big East it has long been said but just about anyone and everyone that the Big East is better when St. John's is playing well. And if that is the case, then the Big East is pretty good right about now. The Red Storm have come from off the radar into a winning streak of late with a mixture of talent, youth, and experience that has been working pretty well lately. Head coach Mike Anderson joins us this week in the Big East. Mike, despite the overtime stub of your toe earlier this week at Butler, what stood out to you about the way your guys have played overall this year?
4: I just think, you know, the the continuity of defensively playing on the same page and uh, playing unselfish on the – uh on the offensive end, and, and obviously you got to have some uh, some leaders, some some talented players. And we're, we're talking about a guy like Julian Champagne, uh, who's playing at a high level. Uh, Pasha Alexander, I uh, think his confidence is soaring now as a freshman. He's got to got a feel for what's going on. And I think a guy that really has kind of stabilized a lot of things has been uh, Rasheem Dunn, a fifth year senior who's who's one of our captains. Uh, uh, but we got uh, an influence of uh, some some talent our bench. Is starting to play well, and that's that's going to be that's going to pay dividends for us as we get you know uh, into late February and into March.
2: Coach, you know the importance of good guard play, and you just dropped the names of the two guys I was going to ask you about. How has Dunn's leadership and kind of uh, savvy—he oozes savvy—helped Posh Alexander grow up so quickly?
4: I think it's kind of you know he's kind of giving him the the ride of how it's going to go in Big East play, you know, coming from non-conference to Big East play. And, uh, and early on, uh, you know, one of the things with freshmen, obviously they're always trying to please and trying to fit in, you know, uh, a posture of a talent that, you know, man, you got to go and do what you do. Uh, And I think when he came to that realization, I think Rasheen took the pressure off him in terms of him having to come and be that guy early on and uh, just kind of go at his own pace. And, and certain guys got different paces, so. But I just think Rashim uh, is someone they look up to. Uh, he's one of our hardest workers, uh, uh, fifth-year guy, uh, uh, and, and he's playing—you know—probably some of his best basketball. So I, I think that's so so critical. And, and then you got a guy like Greg Williams. So uh, I think this is the this is an ultimate team. And I think for us to continue to be successful, you know, uh, we, we got to rely on each other.
1: And Mike, as you said, ultimate team, every ultimate team certainly has a go-to guy. And I think you guys have that. in a guy like Julian Champagny, and and one of the great stories in college basketball this year have been the Champagny brothers, yours at St. John's, of course, and his brother at Pitt, really off the radar kind of guys, and both have exploded onto the scene. When did you discover what you
4: really had with this guy? Well, first of all, it is unbelievable what, you know, the, the family. I mean, they, they got some good genes, first of all. <laughs> yes, uh, they do. The dad was a national championship player here at, the, at St. John's in soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but uh, I think his confidence, number one, last year coming in, uh, he wasn't a very confident kid coming in, but he had a pretty good freshman year, all freshman team. Uh, and I think he just kind of put that into, you know, work, working out this year, this summer, got his body right understanding what it takes to play at this level here and uh and his confidence keep keep going up and then you look at his brother what he's doing i think they got a little competition thing going on so mm-hmm. but we're, we're glad to see him and uh, continue to evolve uh as a player and, and i think we've uh brought in some guys that that also can help and challenge him uh to make him even get better
2: coach i, th- I think your staff has done a good job identifying some people who be honest with you, I, I watch this stuff really closely and I didn't know who Adai Wusu was when he came in. And as a freshman, he's certainly helping you. And Isaiah Moore has certainly made an impact around the rim for you. Just the impact that those two guys have made throughout your recent really strong play.
4: Without a doubt, I think Dylan fits. You know, he fits what what we're all about. You know, toughness, hard nose. He's a versatile player. Uh, He can get down hills north and south better than any player. You know, I've had for the most part and, and be under control. Uh, he can rebound as, as, a, as his body don't mean anything, take charges. Uh, he's like that energizer guy for us. Uh, and then, of course, Isaiah is, is, is very versatile. A thing I love about him is that uh, his, his mindset is he thinks he's a really good player and uh, very active, uh, can run the floor like a deer. Uh, and, and, and can make guys alter shots and, uh, and got a nice mid-range game, can step out and shoot the basketball. So I, I like his basketball like you, as well as a guy like Vince Cole. Vince is, uh, you know, he's been impactful on our basketball team. So all the guys that we brought in, I think they all bring something to the table uh, with our basketball team. And uh, for us to be, you know, the best version of ourselves, uh, I think the sooner those guys have, you know, understood their roles, I think that's why you're starting to see the surge with this team.
1: Mike Anderson, head coach at St. John's with us this week in the Big East. I have to admit, uh, you know, the, the, the drudgery sometimes of recruiting uh, can be, you know, uh, not necessarily a pleasant chore, I think, for some coaches. But I think I might have liked to tag along to those high school games where Posh Alexander and Dylan Iwusu were on the floor together. I'd like to see seen those two guys play together in high school. What, what about those guys turned you on, really, about, you know, getting them both over to St. John's?
4: Well, you know, first of all, I think, you know, with Posh, he's like a one-man pressing crew. I mean, defense is already in his DNA. That's the thing I like about it, you know, defensively, you know. You know, a lot of guys, you know, work on offense and they come with offense attributes, you know, even as they come to our place, they want to showcase uh, their their offense. But these guys here, man, they're wired. Uh, They got toughness. They got aggressiveness. And they got good basketball, like I think it's just a matter of you know them coming here and learning what it takes to to be good at this level. But you know what you're seeing here is you know kind of what they did you know with their high school team. I mean they were very very active players, and so uh, obviously there are some other things they've got to learn, and they're picking it up. And I think that's why you're seeing the success. The more they're picking it up, you know, yeah, there's it's it's not hard, it's not easy to play the way we play. And there's a lot of discipline. I don't think people realize that. Uh, but you give them the freedom uh, to make basketball decisions. And so there's a lot of work that takes place. And I think that's what they're saying.
2: Mike, there's so many coaches who get hired, whether it's at a big East level or at a, or at a low, low level, who come in and say, this is the way we're going to play. You know, we're going to play fast. We're going to press, you know, we're going to play a lot of guys. And then, you know, when the rubber hits the road, they have their seven man rotation and walk the ball up and, uh, You lived up to your promise at all of your stops through your career. Uh, Do you recruit to the system or you teach the system to your players?
4: I think it's a combination. You know, I want talented players. And uh, I just think if guys are really gifted offensively, I think defensively they can be just as good because it's nothing but anticipation, you know, making decisions. All it is about making decisions. We want to speed you up and – and make decisions. I love instinctive guys. I like toughness. Uh, I like talented guys. And All of them are not going to be athletic, you know, uh, just understand the game. You know, I think about the team we had at Arkansas, you know, with Oliver Miller, uh, you know, and obviously we're playing in a 40 minutes of hell of pace. And, Mm -hmm. uh, And obviously, Oliver was one of the most talented teams to ever play for Coach Richardson. Just very good basketball IQ, but, but, I, but no question about it. We want to play exciting basketball and, and, and you know, and, and, and with kids uh, they like to get up and down the floor. You look at the NBA. I mean, it's, it's some guys of talent that can read and react and make quick decisions. And uh, so, uh, but, but I've been doing it. I played in it, uh, I played for a hall of fame coach Nolan Richardson. So no one knows it you know, better than, than him is me because I lived it. I played it, and uh, it wouldn't make sense not to play it, you know, as a coach. And uh, uh, But he always told me, you know what, there's a lot of ways to win. So there'll be some games where, you know, it may not be uh, the fastest 40 minutes or 40 minutes of hell. Yeah, it, may be, it may be like 20, 30 minutes of hell and 10 minutes what the hell we're doing. But <laughs> the, key is, the key is you got to find a way to win. So whether the score is 58 to 57, 95 to 91, uh, you want to find a way to win.
1: Coach, one final one for you here, and and we've talked about this a lot already, but how have you and your staff handled, you know, the pandemic uh, with your kids, and how much has that really added to your overall duties? It's It's gone away from just teaching basketball this season, hasn't
4: it? It is. It's, it's, you know, you're always teaching life skills, and this is one of those that you, you, you're prepared, And so we've had to learn as we go, too, because the one thing you worry about is the mental health of the kids because they're actually living in like a little mini bubble, really, for the most part, you know, uh, you know, the kids, are, you know, seeing their families, they got to do it on zoom. Uh, they're in the dorms or in their apartments uh, up here at the gym. So, so it, it, that's the only life they got right now, because if, if you know, if in fact they go out, uh, they don't know where the virus is. And so that's, that's a difficult part of it. So we try to keep these guys engaged in doing a lot of different things, spend as much time as we can uh, and, and knock on wood, these guys are, They've done everything we asked them. So to, for them, you know, to get a chance to play, uh, they've done all the protocols and things of that nature, but it, it wears on the coaches, the families, and uh, it's, sure. it's, uh, it, it's I tell you what, it's opened up some minds. And, and, but at the same time, you know what, it's kind of like a pause in life too, because, you know, we get so caught up in the everyday grind and, you know, it, it's, you know, life is precious. And so uh, I think we value and hopefully we value each other. Uh, uh, we love each other. We treat people like we want to be treated. So it's a reflection time. So, uh, but, but our guys have been, 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 been good, and, uh, and hopefully we can finish this season off the right way.
1: Thanks again to St. John's head coach Mike Anderson. When St. John's is good, there's simply a buzz in the Big Apple among fans and the media, and New York is beginning to buzz about Anderson's teams. Is it enough of a buzz to create excitement toward March? The one and only Andy Katz joins us to discuss that and more next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National
0: Perspective. The National Perspective. On the perimeter.
1: Fly past the Gillespie ball. going away from him. Alexander ahead of the field. And he dunks it with two hands. And St. John's goes ahead 58-41. to Unbelievable. Posh Alexander gets another steal and a follow-up with a dunk. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. St. John's has some buzz going on in New York. Nova is still Nova. Creighton's going to Creighton. There are pluses and minuses out there for every other team in the Big East, with March staring us down around the corner. NCAA.com and Fox Sports analyst Andy Katz joins us. Andy, let's start off with the Red Storm right now. Have these guys done enough to get into the postseason conversation? And Perhaps better yet, maybe can they stay there in your estimation? Well, it's funny because I did my bracket earlier this week, and I got
5: a lot of flack from Seton Hall fans because I actually chose St. John's over Seton Hall. (laughs) I could probably flip it this week coming up, in large part because they beat Nova. I think outside of Xavier and UConn, you could argue they didn't have any other wins against teams that are projected in the field, Uh, whereas St. John's, I give them a lot of credit for beating Villanova, and so that's what nudged them ahead of Seton Hall in that last four for me. But I think it's very fluid. Uh, the loss to uh, Butler is very damaging. It's not that they can't make it up, but it is damaging, especially a game that they had won and they let go. Uh, and so we're in a point of the season, regardless of the pandemic, when you get to this point later in the year, uh, you've got to beat teams below you. And then hopefully you can steal one of teams above you. And so that's where the UConn, St. John, Seton Hall, to me, that's where they are right now. They better beat DePaul, Georgetown, Marquette, Butler, maybe Providence, uh, you know, and then hopefully to steal one above them to to, to differentiate themselves to get in.
2: Andy, come on, just put them both in.
5: (laughs) And and it may happen that way. It may happen.
2: I I can understand St. John's, uh, Satan Hall beat St. John's head to head. It was quite a while ago. The good news is in the Big East anyways. It looks like
5: they'll be playing twice, uh, one more time, the rest of the way. Kevin, can I just dovetail off that one comment you made? Sure. Because I hear a lot of that. And I will just – this is not me. This is the committee. I have to remind people that while head-to-head seems obvious, it's not always the deciding factor. We have seen times before where the committee has chosen a team over another despite losing twice in that league because of their overall body of work. Uh, And, for example – Texas Tech has swept Oklahoma. Oklahoma mm-hmm. beat Alabama. Texas Tech does not have as good a non-conference win as Oklahoma. And so if you were – I think they're both getting in, but as, that, use that as an example. I think Oklahoma, you know, could get in over Texas Tech because of their overall body of work. And that same thing could happen in the Big East where you could have a sweep, but if a team did better in their limited outside opportunities or maybe they knocked off Villanova or Creighton – that's going to help them overall, even if they lost twice to that team.
1: And Xavier has a huge win over Oklahoma.
2: Speaking of Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, that leads me to my Xavier question. So Xavier has only played 13 games overall, six in the Big East. They've played 13. They can go to the NCAA tournament. But how do you think the committee will evaluate someone who maybe hasn't played
5: eight fewer games than everybody else? So I think where that's going to come into play is in seeding. You know, it's, it's hard if, if the tournament were tomorrow, they're in. So you can't deny them entrance, Uh, but I think you could definitely knock them down seating wise uh, based on, you know, number of games, when they've last played, who they've played. Uh, And so I think that scenario is going to be very interesting for a lot of teams like Xavier. It's just, I mean, we knew this was going to happen. Right. We didn't know it would happen to this extent, but there are teams that are approaching now 20, 21 games may get to 27 games, um, you know, and, and the full allotment. And then there are others that barely may cross the threshold um, of 13 um, and, or, or maybe, you know, won't even play 13 and won't be eligible. So it's crazy how there's such a wide spectrum. But I think that's where it's going to be most dissected is on seeding, not selecting if it's a clear case with right. Xavier. Like if they didn't play another game and they're 11-2 and two and 4-2 and two in the Big East um, and to your point, a win over Oklahoma, you know, I think they get in but I don't know how
1: you could see them very high based on this. Sure. Understood. Andy Katz joining us this week in the Big East. You know, it's part of your role for uh, Fox. You get around and you get the chance to see a lot of these Big East teams. What has surprised you both in a positive and maybe in a not so positive sense about the makeup of the league and some of the personnel and the talent throughout the league this year?
5: Well, I think it's been a grind. Uh, You know, I don't think it's as strong as the Big Ten or the Big 12, but I would probably put it third uh, in that group, and that's a good group to be in. Um, For example, think about Marquette. They knocked off Wisconsin. They played Oklahoma State very well, you know, and yet and they've got really good young talent, but they've had problems lately closing games Mm -hmm. Um, as much as Georgetown struggled early uh, their last couple of games, at least the games against Creighton and Villanova uh, were great indicators that they are better now than they were certainly earlier in the season. When you think about the win at Creighton, they really gave Villanova a big time scare. Um, obviously Butler uh, just knocked off St. John's and, you know, they have not been healthy. It's not to COVID as much. They've had COVID issues, but they also have not been as healthy throughout the course of the season. Providence has been a little all over the map. Obviously not having a healthy point guard has been a big issue. As you guys both know lately, Um, they were not very good early. Then they had a nice stretch where it looked like, okay, that's a tournament team. Then they hit the skids based on injuries uh, and timing of games. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, out of the blue, they play their, you know, maybe their most complete game in a long time in the way they beat UConn. And, and, and I should say this about UConn, if James Booknight never got hurt, we're having a completely different discussion about UConn. UConn then I think is right up there near the top, but now, you know, they're 500 team essentially without him.
2: Andy, with your work with the NCA, you probably know what the tournament is going to look like, or at least planning to look like more than anybody else in the country. People have obviously a big talk of, uh, topic of discussion is will conference tournaments be played? The Big East is going to play their conference tournament. And I think one of the reasons why is because the NCAA tournament protocols are going to dovetail with the conference tournaments.
5: Can you just explain that a little bit? Yeah, so I think there's a lot more bark than bite here on this topic. I do think there's a legitimate concern with Gonzaga. I think that's real. I don't, I mean, I don't think they want to play in it. I think they have legitimate concern because the problem with Las Vegas and I actually have talked to the PAC 12 about this, but as you guys know, you can't create a controlled environment in Las Vegas because all these tournaments and there are four leagues, you know, it's the mountain West, the WAC, the WCC and the PAC 12, they all have their tournaments. Um, Well, two of the four have them at a casino. The other two are at UNLV uh, and, or excuse me, three of the four, sorry, three of the four are at a casino the Mount West is at UNLV. So I guess technically you could maybe with the Mount West, but you can't keep the players, the coaches, the officials at a facility where there's nobody else. You can't tell the casino people, no other people, but that is what I'm being told is going to happen. in a lot of these other events, Kansas city for the big 12, ACC, SEC in Nashville, big 10 in Indy. I'm assuming the big East is going to figure this out in New York where they're the only people around it, it, You know, we, especially because of the pandemic, they can take over a hotel. And so that way you really limit the other interactions of other people. Uh, and so that I think those protocols can happen. You know, February 26th is the next deadline. On February 26th, the conferences have to tell the NCAA who gets their AQ. And so after that, the AQ will go to what the designation is. And if it's the regular season champ or the tournament, And I think it will be the tournament for 99% of these leagues. Uh, And the problem would be, for example, let's just use the WCC, or even if the Big East, if the Big East, if Villanova and Creighton, hypothetically said, you know what, we're not playing the Big East tournament. And DePaul were to win. And DePaul in last place right now, if they were to win the Big East tournament, how fair is that to then take a bid that was not going to be there? Because the odds of DePaul winning with a full Big East tournament are not good. And now you're going to take that bid probably away from, an Oklahoma State, or maybe a Maryland, you know, if I'm another commissioner, I'm saying, wait a minute, you know, why did you allow that? You know, I mean, it's in your bylaws to play in this. And now you have a team that won it, that took a bid away from us. So I think the, that at the commissioner level will be incredibly testy or would have been had that happened if Gonzaga were to opt out and Pacific were to win. And they still said the bid comes from the tournament champ. You know, that that's taken away
1: a bit. And that's not fair. Fox Sports and the NCAA's Andy Katz. Who's got next? We'll run through the scheduling updates as we prep for another week of Opportunity for All next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This
0: week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Sunogo has it now gives to Martin on the right side back to Gapti on the right wing to Polly. Polly long 3. Way back there. Good. He hit it from way downtown and UConn
1: has a lead 48 to 47. First lead since 10-7. John Rook, Kevin McNamara this week in the Big East. Who's got next? Well, on the schedule for this week, first of all, Xavier's just got to be happy. They're playing. They're on the docket for a home game against UConn Saturday afternoon. Butler plays at Georgetown. We got Providence playing at DePaul. And then the big one, Kev, Villanova at Creighton. These teams haven't played yet this year, John. Uh, Obviously,
2: the two best teams in the league as as we stand right now. I think Villanova can all but lock up the regular season championship with a win uh, against the Jays, but don't count out the Jays. You know, the Villanova put together an unbelievable performance uh, earlier in the week against Marquette when they shot like sixty-three percent from the field. So clearly, Creighton's going to
1: have to defend at a high level. There's one game on the slate for Sunday as well, and Seton Hall is at home against Marquette. Marquette, we mentioned it earlier in the show, they're on a stretch now where they got to play five straight away. That's tough, but that's a byproduct of what we've had to deal with this year that's called a covid
2: schedule and that one hurts no question wanted to go back to another game on saturday john you mentioned connecticut at xavier connecticut james booknight is just a vital player for them he needs to come back from that elbow uh, surgery there was some rumors that he would play against providence earlier in the week he did not so my guess is he's getting very close and clearly
1: connecticut probably isn't an ncaa tournament team without booknight so they need him back Yeah, he was on the bench warming up, did not suit up. And there will be another opportunity if he does not go against Xavier on Saturday. uh, UConn and Providence will renew the rivalry again on Tuesday of next week at the Gamble Pavilion in Storrs. My money would be he'd definitely be in that game. Well, here's a scenario. Say he doesn't, but is back and up and running
2: and playing well by the time we all get to New York City. Maybe Connecticut is that dark horse to run through the Big East tournament. They certainly could i think they've got a little experience doing that don't they (laughs) we'll see how many (laughs) fans, how many husky fans can get in but i know that the uh, demand to get in and see the huskies at madison square garden will be through the roof
1: can you believe we're already through six weeks of this show
2: we're ready john you know march is around the corner uh in the northeast anyways february has been brutal with all this snow so bring on march
1: baby I'm ready. Our thanks to Creighton's Marcus Zagorowski, St. John's Mike Anderson and the NCAA and Fox analyst Andy Katz for joining us this week. Thanks go out to our flagship radio stations as always for their assistance. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins, executive producer, John Paquette, and certainly thanks to all of the coaches and administrators at all 11 big East member institutions for Kevin McNamara. I'm John Rook. You can find us on Twitter at Jr. broadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33, use the hashtag TWITBE for this week in the Big East. Send us your questions if you have them, and we will, of course, join you right here again next week, same time for this week in the Big East. Thanks
0: for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. The executive producers are John Paquette and Rick Gentile. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.